Welcome back, everyone, to City on the Edge, yeah, something is, you're listening to. This is uh, episode 10B, Yeah. so it's a bonus yeah. episode. Uh, right. So the, the idea behind these is that we're going to take something thematically, something that's thematically tied to the, uh, the mm-hmm. longer episode from last mm-hmm. week, that would be uh, Mike's piece of brightness and everything, about kind of banality and sprawl right, right, right. and... Uh, and the Northeast Heights and, and the, the suburbs Heights and, and so forth. Yeah, yeah, and you know, generic development. Yeah, all that stuff. And kind of go a little bit more into kind of how that ties into like different aspects of Albuquerque history. Right. To paraphrase Shakespeare, ten B or not ten B, this is a great <laughs> podcast. He was saying that about our <laughs> wow, podcast, Shakespeare. Yeah, that that was like the worst thing Shakespeare ever said. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's still it's still um, it scans pretty well metrically. It's, it's <laughs> yes. uh, you know it's metrically yeah. cohesive. Yeah. Um, so, and he was really ahead of his time too, talking about podcasts like hundreds of years before the internet existed. Well, there's so that aspect. You got to give him some credit. But still, that, um, I think there's a reason that that's not one of his more popular. Quotes yeah, yet. it's true. Yeah, people hate it. Uh, <laughs> so I thought we would uh, we would kind of delve into some of the sprawly parts of Albuquerque okay. and then get into the dark secret behind Hoffman Town. Oh, okay. At the end, so stay tuned for that. All right. Um, but then we'd uh, we'd start with some New Mexico news. Yeah, that sounds good. Some Albuquerque news. Albuquerque news yeah. and New Mexico news. I like New Mexico. You know, yeah, I like the whole state. I wouldn't mind including it all in this podcast, but I, I do like that we kind of keep it circled yeah. around the city. You know, that's where we are. Yeah, it is. You know, it's our it's our home base. I mean, I'd like to speak with authority about Artesia. But, you know, I, <laughs> like, you know, I, you know, Artesia's I got a lot going on. We it's might do a little yeah. something about Artesia. I've got a story in mind about that it's, about their. Uh, Fallout shelter oh, slash elementary man, that'd school. That'd be great. Yeah, you wrote you wrote a really good piece about that. Yeah, yeah, thank I, you. yeah. I love that. You, yeah, there, so there was a an old bomb shelter that was turned into a, a school, right? And, you and it was it. built as yeah. both. It's oh, okay. an underground elementary oh, okay. school that was built as a bomb shelter. Oh, interesting. So stay tuned for that one. All right. Um, All right. One of these days. But let's just uh, let's just start out with uh, some news from around New Mexico and Albuquerque. The first thing is uh, New Mexico as a whole, and that is that this last March, the March of 2016, was mm-hmm. the driest. March that we have had uh, in 122 years. Yeah. And New Mexico is not, uh, not known for being a wet state. So yeah. it's, it's already considered pretty dry. Oh, man, um, 1895 uh, is the, uh, the date that it was last this dry. Um, started in January, continued through February and March, a drought. Yeah. So any thoughts on that? Yeah, 1895 was a hard year. I remember it. I was, uh, what was I at the time? Um, I think I was some sort of woodland animal. Uh, okay. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, the, uh, yeah, no, the man, it's, it's sad to watch. It really is. Yeah. It really, um, it really is sad to watch. You know, and I love the monsoon season. When we get a good monsoon season, it's yeah, just, it's definitely. like exciting, you know? I got, I got cited by a police officer once for rafting down a river, or down, uh, down a street. 
like it was a river um, oh, right. during monsoon Up season. One. It was no, it was Gold Avenue Gold in Albuquerque. Avenue. It was just raging. It was like a river. <laughs> I was living at the corner of Gold and Ash at the time, and I had a life uh, raft in my mm-hmm. in my closet because you should have that. You never know. And uh, and so I, yeah, and so I got it out, and literally a police officer like pulled up, pulled us over, kind of, <laughs> kind of, and yelled at my friends. Pull over someone in a raft. <laughs> wrote a little warning out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I miss those seasons. You know, I'm yeah, sad. That, I'm right. sad that we that uh, you know climate change seems to be all too real, and that you know we're really you know people could say it's cyclical and that there have been droughts before, but this is huge. This Just is the not, whole West. You don't think it's a um, a lie made up by the Chinese, uh, as as according to uh, future yeah. President Donald Trump? Oh, is that what he said? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. That guy says so many dumb things that he can't keep track of. Um, <laughs> okay, let's go to the next yeah. dumb thing. Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. Sandia, Moisturize New Mexico. Come on. Sandia yeah. Peak seeks funds to add mountain roller coaster. Oh, man. Yeah, I'll go ahead and read the whole article for this one. Okay. Sandia Peak may be getting some new perks soon, but they need the help of Bernalillo County Commissioners. Oh. The plan is for a total renovation at one of the top spots in Albuquerque, which could bring in more jobs and tourism. Well, these will... Okay, yeah. renovation, yeah. Uh, jobs, tourism, I like that idea. Uh, sure. Sandia Peak Ski Company and Peak Dining LLC are asking for a $9 million industrial revenue bond, or IRB, to revamp the peak. The money would be used for a brand new fine dining restaurant, bistro and bar, plus the installation of a mountain roller coaster. Oh, <laughs> killing me. <laughs> According to Benny Abruzzo, uh, who we know from the um, the Abruzzo uh, Ballooning Museum, oh, the, right, Ballo- right, the Abruzzo right. uh, Ballooning family, like right, they've, right. Uh, I think they've made some world uh, around the world attempts in their various balloons. I think this guy went too high up, and the altitude affected him. Man, <laughs> a roller coaster on the Sandias. This is terrible. Okay, but even that, I gotta say, okay, whatever. It's a ski area, right? So maybe it's gonna go down next to the uh, the ski lift. Where there's there's not any trees or anything, it'll be just like a nice uh, alpine slide. If it's something like that, and they don't know how to talk about alpine slides in the press, because that's a thing that people would recognize in print if they use those words, alpine slide, you know, like a <laughs> cement track and an already developed yeah. area, that would be one thing. They'd lose some trees, but you know, it'd be like widening the Bosque Trail, where you're just kind of like, okay, it's not, you know, it's not putting a tram in down there or something. Well, let's, uh, let's read the next part. According to <sighs> Benny Abruzzo, president of the Sandia Peak, the coaster would be the first of its kind in New Mexico. Riders would hop in the coaster at the top of the tram and zip down the mountain. Oh, man. How is this different than the Skyline Drive that they wanted to put in in the 60s that would have meant another road parallel to tramway right in the middle of the face? Some of it's become the faulty trail since then. Uh, um, okay. But that was, that was they protested the hell out of that in a, either the 60s or the 70s. Right. I have a book that references it. And um, it is such, called Okupin, a really interesting little personal history of the Sandias. Very, very cool book. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, anyway... Um, no, this is would be that level of development. How many trees would you have to cut down for that? How much wilderness would you destroy? What about animal migration patterns? I mean, like there are there is so much that's wrong with this. It just what about the experience of being in the wilderness? That is one of the valuable things we have in Albuquerque. I mean, seriously, I love that well, no matter how sprawling and awful the city gets. Sometimes I can just go up into the mountains right. and hike up to TWA Canyon with my kids and just be like. Oh, it's all gone. It, none of it's real. Like, you know, even then you have to pass beneath the tram and hear that a little bit. But, like, yeah. at least, like, some sort of wilderness is nearby. But if, us. if this is a roller coaster of oh, the kind so that we're dumb. talking about this here, is so dumb. Then that would be, you know, 
sounds of people going up the the hill and then going down and screaming as as you do on a wilderness uh, on a I'm sorry as you do on a roller coaster. I'm, I'm not even going to say into a, oh. <laughs> that doesn't fit into a wilderness. Dude, I, this, uh, this story ticks me off so bad. I just don't even I can't talk about it objectively in any way. Like I will yeah. be protesting this. I will be I will be giving money to monkey wrench gangs. I'm so I don't uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know have to go do it myself. Sure. I like another I, one of our podcasts that will surely be entered. Oh, into I know this is going to be <laughs> A, B, and C. But <laughs> but you know <sighs> it's it's. You know, it's just such an unfortunate thing that people don't seem to realize just the value in places that you don't even necessarily right. go. Just the value in leaving someplace alone. I mean, we're already like messing up the very air of the entire planet, you know, so you got that wherever you go. The climate, et cetera. I mean, this goes back to the other news story. It's right. just, you know, it's, it's, oh man, sorry. I, I don't want to get political. I know we're going to probably have listeners yeah. from all over the spectrum. So I want to, I want to respect it, you know, differences in opinions, but man, <laughs> you're allowed guys, to have the wrong opinion. Just yeah. So you, know. you know, and, and as Maria Bamford said, if you disagree with me, take comfort in the fact that I am wrong, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, even though maybe I'm not. Uh, here we go. Uh, we get 114 new jobs. We get a new attraction in this case, at the top of the tram, it helps oh. generate revenue to, to the state tourism dollars. Said Wayne man. Johnson, Bernalillo County commissioner. Yeah. yeah no, downside right you know what would create a ton of jobs man because you know seriously we have gen- the genetic engineering capabilities to do this oh, like so why don't we do this going. this is going to create so many jobs i want to create a new breed just for no reason just because it makes jobs of great white sharks but with wings and they have lungs so they can breathe air like, nothing bad can happen from this well uh, <laughs> let's can just it, uh, can we do it in a 5,000 jobs Ty 5,000 jobs we'll do it right here can we release them at the Grand Canyon <laughs> yeah we'll release them everywhere okay, yeah. I, don't, <laughs> I don't really see a downside shark <laughs> flying shark releasing will be one of the jobs well um, okay. I, I gotta say that one caught me off guard but uh, yeah okay like, I can say as long as there's some uh, new jobs created I don't think it creates jobs is a good enough argument anything can create jobs the CCC and the WPA created jobs mean, you know improving in well, infrastructure those were good jobs. Exactly. Let's, yeah. So let's do positive things like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let's create good jobs. A, a nationwide network of uh, of crack dealers. You oh, know, funded man. by uh, funded by the government. Or what something. a brilliant idea, Ty. Yeah. That'd be, they, that would thousands <laughs> create a lot of jobs, employed. right? I mean, oh, they're yeah. already there, so we have right. the, the know how. Uh, we just we would make it official and. Uh, um, yeah, the, the the drop in unemployment would be almost as impressive as the rise in crack use. <laughs> like it would, it's geez. No, uh, I, so I don't know. I'm against it. So I'm against it. Uh, yeah, if Santa Peak gets the funding, they hope to complete the mountain coaster and restaurant by 2018. The U.S. Forest Service must approve the process before construction on the coaster may take place. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm a, I'm sorry to take uh, KRQE to task you this article a bit, but. Couldn't they have included like one person like mm. from the Forest Service oh, or an environmentalist who there's might be? Nothing you know what? There's, negative a, in it. there's a downside to this that you know maybe wow. we don't need to stick a roller coaster on the top of our our beautiful rugged mountain that's you know 98 um, percent National mm. Forest that's, Service land. That's a news story right there. This coverage yeah. of it, frankly, like yeah, I mean that's wish we had a local I mean, counterspin. I'm, I'm a writer too, you know. I know what it's like. I'm just whatever. You just yeah. write a thing, real quick. Um, they could have included one person. Oh, I who know. Was at I least know. Slightly critical. Of the and, and and when it's something that like uh, like uh, I remember they covered a graffiti artist that like painting dripping rainbows down the sides of buildings and the way yeah. that the, how far they went out of their way. I think I actually think it was Channel Four. How far they went out of the way to uh, find one person that disliked it and would complain about it. It was yeah, all these students yeah. and people just saying, "I think it's pretty. I like it." Right. <laughs> you know, right. they're just abandoned buildings. Um, 
and uh, you know, you could just tell the one negative quote was like <laughs> cherry picked and edited and had ellipses added. Yeah, it's just you know, it's private property. You know, it's like abandoned. Got to appeal to private property. Uh, older, more conservative news uh, person, I guess. News, yeah, news but at least hey, in that case, reader. I'd say they fulfilled their journalistic duty of finding somebody to uh, to to at least acknowledge that there was a side against the. You know. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, yeah I do th- agree. Which they could have done for yeah. this story, too. And I don't think that's every... Like, I don't feel like every issue needs that. I, sometimes I see the point-counterpoint thing done in a weird way. Like, they find, like, yeah. the one person out of 500 that's on the other side of something. But this is something we can that's going to piss half the town off. Yeah, there's going to be a significant resistance yeah. to this idea. And I'm going to freaking lead it if there's not. Like, <laughs> I'm going to start it. Yes. <laughs> that's... Ah, anyway, all right. Um, um, and then I thought... Bummed out, Ty. How are we going to talk about murder in a cheerful way? (laughs) Well, we're going to uh, transition via smallpox. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, What's your week been like, Ty? Why are you picking these topics? This is a. uh, This is actually a story from uh, this day in 1882. So I had to go a hundred and. um, some number of years, uh, a good few years, to to find another depressing story. Oh, okay. This is a, this okay. is printed in the Albuquerque okay. Journal in 1882. All right, all right. Um, I've been digging my way through these things. How oh, cool! Is it all online now or something? Um, yeah, you have to. You can pay for a subscription. Oh, how neat! Problem. I'd like and to get one of those. I currently have a seven day free trial. Oh, that's great! All right, that's cool. Letter from Las Vegas, New Mexico. So this is an editorial letter in okay. the Albuquerque Journal. Uh, April 12th, 1882. Okay. Will the editor of the journal please inform this writer through its columns whether there is any smallpox in Albuquerque, and if there is, its extent, and if there is any organized effort to take proper care of those afflicted and prevent the scourge. This town, this town, and he means Las Vegas, New Mexico, yeah. is perfectly rotten, and the disease is on the increase, if anything, instead of decreasing. Uh. There is over 100 cases now here, and several new cases being added to the list daily. There is no sort of effort being made here by the authorities or citizens of this place, either to take care of those afflicted or to confine the disease, and the only thing that they are doing is to scrupulously suppress all knowledge of this desperate state of affairs, in their eagerness for profit and an immigration, they deny the existence to any extent of the disease. Uh, they invite and canvass the presence among them of travelers and immigrants of all kinds and degrade thereby, oh, I'm sorry, and degree, thereby exposing the person of means to an imminent danger, at least from a loathsome disorder, and the poor devil with little money and no friends to certain death in what is probably its most horrible form. For without the guarantee of $150, no pestilence house will receive you. Uh, yours, etc. General public. Wow. And uh, then the editor of the Alba, uh, the Alba, <laughs> of the Albuquerque Journal writes back. In response to the above, we would like to state that there is not one case of smallpox in the city limits, and only one in the extreme suburbs. There is no danger of a spread of the disease in the city, and. Parties in search of a healthy location, free of any contagious diseases, could not find a better town than Albuquerque. How interesting. It's so interesting how the early newspapers were such boosters of the city. Right. You know, anytime you read old stuff, they're all just like, even if you read like the Golden Retort from Out in Golden, they were just uh-huh. like, never has such a profitable mining district existed and everyone should come here. And, and I mean, I can see how that's connected to the well-being of the press, too. You know, right. Like we want right. people here that can buy this. But uh, you don't see that as much now. I think it's more like not in the newspapers so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. they're always uh, it's it a newspaper of anger. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 
Right, unless it's like um, Albuquerque Business Review or something, right. where it's constantly like, new income <laughs> corridor to be developed, you know? And oh, this will geez. surely attract more co- corporations. But right? then it's done in the voice of whatever spokesperson for whatever project, usually, right? Right, you know, right. Kind of they, you, they quote them heavily. Yeah. Um, so here's an early example of uh, yeah. Albuquerque as health country. Interesting. Um, which was a huge part of Albuquerque's history throughout mm. the early part of the 20th century and the latter part of the uh, the 19th century. Interesting. Um, Smallpox, man. What a horrible disease. Yeah, what a man. horrible disease. Oh, vaccinate, vaccinate, guys. You know? Like, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think like, there was a time when you could, like, boost Albuquerque by saying, mostly smallpox free. We, oh we've got one gosh. case out there. Oh, my gosh. What a nightmare of a disease. I mean, I have seen photos. If you, Wisconsin Death Trip. You were like, yeah, I yeah. mean, that's got photos in there of it. And it's just like, or I've seen, a, like, right. a medical maladies book. Yeah. Like the one that yeah. Annie Dillard writes about and for the time being. And it's just, it's... Oh, nasty, nasty, man. Would it be like, yeah. you know, the, the Ebola freak out that we just had or, you it's, know, Zika virus, but uh, like a real thing? Like you oh, could man. Like, I mean, what was it? 1890s was smallpox and diphtheria. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you got those, or polio. I mean, you got those things right. and you were, that was it, man. That was your, you were going to be dead or affected for the rest of your life. Right, right. You hear smallpox scar. And it wasn't like a continent like, away, you know, like we're always yeah. like. Okay, this, you know, Ebola, obviously right. a horrible disease. Right. It would suck to get it. It's a continent away from here. What we know about its transmission yeah. uh, made it seem as though it were relatively safe. But we still had the freak out about it. Right. But in this case, I mean, this is smallpox. real. A few towns away. Right. Las right. Vegas, New Mexico. Right. You know, which is a, oh, man. About 120 it, miles or something. And it was used in, uh, in domestic terrorism against Native Americans, you know, oh, yeah, in a sure. handful of proven instan- instances. Right. You know, um, in at least a handful of proven instances. I mean, steamboat captains in the Missouri just giving out these smallpox blankets, not caring. Uh, you know, yeah, I think those got smallpox, but you tribes can use them. Be oh, great. really? Yeah. Oh man. So is that proven? Because I've kind of heard. Some yeah, of there, there was a book in the in the new uh, new new bookshelf at UNM at the uh-huh. Library once, and I picked it up and I read it, and there were a number of proven cases. It does show that there that you know that the broad view of it being done as like a mass thing was right. was. Um, was probably not the case, but there were a handful of instances where just yeah. nasty people did not nasty exactly things. like an organized. No, government this wasn't campaign. like uh, the final solution or anything like right. that. And it, I don't think it was done in that way. But it's, it's been certainly, some people that. thought it was yeah. a good way to kill two birds. A with handful. One stone. Of, I mean, but yeah. of course, you also had people back then, like Charles Kennedy, who set up a hotel and just killed everyone that stayed yeah, there. Right, right. So you know. Uh, this was not, you know, this was a time that unethical people were able to thrive a little bit in isolation. Sure. What's next? What are we talking about? Um, we're talking about uh, sprawl. All right. And development, I think. Yeah. So last week we uh, we went with um, Mike's piece, uh, Brightness and Everything, yeah. which I think is just a kind of a, a glorious look at, Thanks, at the... Um, Kind of situation that so many of us find ourselves in when we're, you know, you got to like a work a day job. Right, right. Got to do what you Some part of town that's been developed um, in opposition to the character of the rest of the city, you know. Oh, well, just we're going to be talking about kind of the way that that Albuquerque has developed, which. Oh, yeah, yeah. um, Yeah. Obviously, we start with a small. Via right, right, right. Um, well, actually, before that, there's the the Tewish, mm-hmm. uh, oh, yeah. tribe in the area. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, Native Americans mm-hmm. um, had a number of uh, pueblos. Yeah. in this valley. Oh man, the Tigüe. Yeah, yeah. Do you say Tewish? I was I was told, yeah. or I read in a book um, 
that the X at the end yeah. was a way that the uh, the Spanish used to transcribe a um, sh sound. Yeah, a sh oh. sound huh. um, in regards to especially Native American settlements, since so many of like the Aztec and so yeah. forth used that sound. So it was instead of it being Mexico, they would have said mm -hmm. Mexico. Uh, supposedly the Aztecs. So fascinating. Have I ranted my rant on the show about how I think Albuquerque should change its name back to t to that to T West, to t -West T or Tigua? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because think about it. Then we could say Albuquerque since 2000 BCE. You yeah, know, would we would, we are as uh, as what's uh, uh, related or connected as uh, a city at the end of the world. But B.B. Price points out we are um, the the oldest continually inhabited, you know, mid mid sized right. city in in the country. And right. uh, we're the largest continually ha inhabited area, um, you know, in, in the country. I mean, 4,000 years people have been living in this valley. 4,000 yeah. years. That's crazy. And if we, and how, that would create jobs. We want to create jobs. Sure. All changing sure. all the signs. <laughs> changing everything. Right. Um, I think that'd be wonderful, but I don't, I don't know. That'd be one you'd want to okay with local well, tribes and see if they yeah, wanted exactly. to. Yeah, exactly. Talking about yeah. like cultural appropriation. Yeah, yeah. Um, Then the Spaniards came in. Right. Took over a bunch of those, uh, right. those pueblos and then built the Villa on the banks of the Rio Grande, the right. Via de Albuquerque, from right. which our city takes its name, right. as well as a number of other settlements in the area. Mm -hmm. Then um, America takes over. Mm -hmm. The United States of America takes over in the uh, mid-1860s or so. Mm -hmm. And um, well, well, we should say Mexico had it yeah, briefly, Mexico, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Mexico. I'm and trying then, to then yeah, I see. You're kind of rush on. through these. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in the 1880s, the uh, the railroad came in, mm -hmm. and suddenly the, uh, the city, which... Between the uh, the Spanish settlement and the railroad coming in, it had more or less uh, evolved mm -hmm. around the via mm -hmm. uh, and so forth. But once the railroad came in, it opened up a whole new yeah. area yeah. Uh, to be right for a city to be established in. In fact, right. it was considered a separate town at that point. Yeah, that's right. Uh, new Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, people from the east, which mm -hmm. is to say. Anglo's, yeah. you know, people with a Caucasian yeah. descent, mm -hmm. um, were involved in the, uh, the creation of that. <laughs> so you could say that, like downtown yeah. Albuquerque was yeah. kind of the first of the um, the Albuquerque sprawl. Is that yeah. fair? I, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess you could say that because. So uh, I read uh, Mark Simmons' Albuquerque narrative history. He talks about the reason New Albuquerque happened is the the town council couldn't agree on letting the railroad go through Old Town and on yeah. what land it would go on and what right. land they would give for it and so on. And so they're like, well, fine, we'll just do it outside of town, well, you know? And and maybe that's good. Maybe it let the community preserve its character and, and yeah, um, I mean, that would something be, else sure spring up. It yeah. would be a very different Old Town, definitely, it would, if yeah, that it had would not happened. Probably be unrecognizable. Uh, but one, one yeah. aspect of it was that it did allow a bunch of... Uh, you know, people from the east mm -hmm. to grab a bunch of, of basically wasteland, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, this is far enough away from the river that there's not much in the way of development yeah. out there prior to the railroad. Oh, I see. Uh, people like Franz Hooning. And, yeah. Um, Please, listeners, do so not forth. take wasteland to be a negative word. Wastelands are <laughs> awesome. I just mean <laughs> that, they, you know, in terms of like a place for a, a, develop, a city to organically develop it, yeah. develop, it wouldn't really work there prior yeah. to the railroad yeah. coming in. So once the railroad comes in, people like Franz Hooning are able to yeah. make, you know, their fortunes by right. developing on land that yeah. they had bought for a song prior right. to that. Qualifier, natural wastelands. I, I don't care for the radioactive <laughs> kinds. Not a radioactive you know, wasteland. Or landfills right. or whatever. Um, and then... That develops from like uh, 1881 right. to say 1930, right. at which point something else starts going through town, 
uh, involved, mm. uh, allowing people Route to uh, transport 66. themselves through the area. Route yeah. 66. Yeah. And most of the development of Albuquerque at that point started springing up so along Route 66. That's so where the uh, university yeah. really started. I mean, the university was founded before that, but it really started to develop mm-hmm. the land around it in, in, yeah. in terms of housing. Right. Knob Hill mm-hmm. becomes a thing at that mm-hmm. point. So Knob Hill starts getting developed in the late 30s okay. uh, in real force. I think okay. it was maybe plotted out yeah. as early as 1915 or oh, so. Oh, wow. Wow, but, really? Mm-hmm, yeah. It's, it just, it's celebrating its 100th anniversary wow. this year. Uh, but the majority of the development took place in the, like the 30s and 40s. Okay. Interesting. Um, What's and, so interesting is if you live here and you have this knowledge, like like you and I, I feel like we both cultivate an awareness yeah. of this, it makes the whole city just like encoded in all this stuff. Right. Everywhere you look, you see elements of the different eras. Oh, that place has a big porch. They probably came here with a tuberculosis boom, and that used yeah. to be screened in. You know? Right, good point. That motel has an old neon sign in front of it, and right. you know, we know what, where that came in, et cetera. Yeah, or, um, or when you found those streetcar tracks in front of the, the alibi office. Yeah, was, although I think it, um, uh, that actually turned out <laughs> those weren't authentic. Oh, bummer. They had been placed in uh, in the 90s as a um, commemorative aspect. Oh, really? Aspect, and then just sort of abandoned there in the middle of the street. Like, I don't oh, know. Oh, how disappointing. Just, yeah, okay. that well, was a bummer. What do you do? For me. Keep um, going, man. You're on a roll. This is great. Okay, so yeah, yeah. anyway, uh, yeah, I, th- I think one thing that these, uh, these additional developments um, have in common okay. is you get farther and farther away from the natural resources that you need to make mm. a city yeah. work, you know, right. primarily water. Right. Like when you're down by Old Town, you've got the river right there, mm-hmm. and you've got a network of irrigation ditches. You've got arable land yeah. all along it. So mm-hmm. that's food and water right there. Yeah. Um, you go to the uh, new Albuquerque by mm-hmm. the railroad tracks. Uh, you're still kind of far. You're, right. you're getting farther away, but you can still naturally channel right. that water out there. Right. Um, there were acequias downtown mm-hmm. uh, until, until like the well, 30s or 40s. Yeah, area. exactly. Yeah. You're still down in the valley. In fact, where the railroad track was was placed had originally been a um, a a route of the Rio Grande, hmm. a, you know, a few thousand years ago. Wow. So that that had been a place where it had meandered at one point. How interesting. Then you know, with the road going through, we're yeah. like not we're out of the river valley. Mm-hmm. There's no way to naturally get water mm-hmm. to um, up a hill. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it, right? So you have to have you start make, uh, drilling wells, and you've got to start pumping things mm-hmm. around, and it requires this whole new infrastructure. The land up here in the hills is not naturally arable. Hmm. Right, so you don't see any agriculture culture around. So, more and more people are moving here, but there's not, there's no longer the resources right. needed within, you know, oh, man. Uh, a close area to support the. And that's modernity them. in a nutshell. That's right. not just Albuquerque. That's you know, yeah, yeah. The, the things that attract people to a place just get. Oh well, we're going to use those up completely. And, right. And, <laughs> I, I, you know, I lived in Las Cruces for a while, and it was so sad see all this beautiful farmland there filling that valley just gradually get bought up piece by piece and turned into housing developments. Yeah, it's kind of like you have a whole new attitude about how a city is supposed to work. Because you're not, you're already building parts of the city that can't be sustained by the locally produced resources. Mm -hmm. So your locally produced resources also lose their value, right? So you wind up having to uh, ship in your food from, you know, eventually China all the way across the ocean. Somehow it's cheaper for us to sustain our cities and everything that way. And then water becomes a whole 
Oh, sure, yeah. Real problem. And these people that live in these places that just destroyed the arable land still need to eat. So then where, <laughs> where, where's the food coming from? Right. We're shipping it in and it's we're burning fuel to get it there and using resources to transport it. It's just, oh, man. It's now, really, really absurd. Let's get a little bit uh, political. Sorry, okay. Just a little bit here. Tiny bit. Um, here is a uh, an is advertisement for Knob Hill. The development mm -hmm. in uh, 1939. Ty has really been on a hunt this week. It's been pretty impressive. This <laughs> Printed in the finding. Albuquerque Journal. Um, let's see. It's mainly just little stories about like, oh, there's going to be four new houses in this area and so forth. There are now seven new homes under construction on Knob Hill, mm -hmm. etc. It proves that this is a, a site that will constantly grow in value. Hmm. Right? And that makes sense because we're talking about Again, to mm -hmm. use your favorite term, mm -hmm. a wasteland in terms mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. you know, nobody has been valuing beautiful this land prior. Beautiful rolling desert Yeah, wasteland. beautiful, yeah. beautiful <laughs> land, but it's, it right. hasn't been valued right, prior right, to this right, at all. Right. So, of course, it's going to grow in value. Right. Now, here's the damning thing. There never will be another Knob Hill as close in, entirely Anglo, oh my and with the most wonderful view of valley and mountains, rich soil, perfect drainage, and above the smoke and haze of the city. Better select a lot now. Wow. Entirely Anglo. Wow. Now, that's, this is a term um, mainly used in uh, southwestern states, I think. Yeah. What is Anglo? Like? Anglo. I mean, it seems to be everyone who's not Native American or Hispanic, right? Yeah. I mean, in some ways. Well, I mean, or black. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's even an anecdote in Erna Ferguson's 1940 book about Albuquerque uh -huh. um, where she talks about, um, I think it's in that book, uh, where she talks about uh, a black man hanging out with some white people and describing the group as Anglo's. Oh, okay. You know, like it, was, it, it was kind of like a catch-all term in a way. I'm for, just going to guess yeah. that that is not included in this entirely Anglo yeah. statement oh, no, here. No, I'm sure that's what, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's more like just the words get used colloquially in unique yeah. ways. Like we in the West, how we'd say we're getting a Coke and then you go buy Fanta. <laughs> yeah. or, you know, like, right. You know, things like that. Now, um, I've often, uh, growing up in Albuquerque yeah. or, or spending a fair amount of time in yeah. Albuquerque, um, you often hear some of these developments, especially the Northeast Heights, referred mm. to as the Whites. Yeah. Like that's that's uh, a common thing. Whites, yeah. You don't I, hear that as much now, though. I heard no. that more in high school, and I feel like... I feel like that's something I heard in the 90s a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was when I was yeah in high school around here. And, and in... in um, I, I just don't feel like that reflects the reality of them now. No, my but kids I have a really least, multicultural neighborhood, and my neighborhood yeah. is really multicultural, and I like that. I think it's great. But I think it you does know? tell you a little something about, yeah. you know, maybe the reasoning behind why these areas are often established. Like yeah. we've heard of white flight before, right? Yeah, yeah. I guess what surprises me about this is, you know, I tend to think of it like you, which is this was an area that was developed and, you know, went through a period of, you know, mm -hmm. people of a certain demographic living mm -hmm. there, and now it's becoming more multicultural. Yeah. To see it so brazenly stated and overtly stated in this advertisement, mm -hmm. um, I found pretty shocking, actually. Like, mm -hmm. not all, this wasn't just an accident, in other words, that this area happened to be primarily like white people mm -hmm. moving here and kind of, you know, you look at the houses in, uh, in Knob Hill from that time period, these are. Eastern style bungalows mm -hmm. and things, you know, and it's it's very much at odds to um, like Adobe and maybe the way that uh, the houses were were made prior to that. Mm. And it seems like, you know, especially when you take it in, in, in context with this entirely Anglo statement. Yeah. You know that that was all done very purposefully oh, to man. separate themselves that's, from the history of the place. Yeah, that's the, that um, is racism. That's what that is. <laughs> that's called racism. Yeah, it's racism, yeah. And, <laughs> and it's 
the kind of racism that I often think about as maybe an accident. Oh, well, this particular place. Well, no, I think this this oh, makes it clear. It's not an oh, accident. Oh, I see. What I'm saying is like usually when I see, okay, these housing developments sure. are happening, white flight is happening, and like the demographics are changing. Yeah. Usually just think of that, well, like people who have this kind of income and this kind of education level, you know, tend to be from this. But this says, no, this was a very specific, we don't want yeah. Anyone yeah. with Hispanic background, Native American background, right. living in, in Knob Hill. Wow, can you imagine? They must have turned people down because this is a multicultural area. People yeah. from different backgrounds would have, and different races would have applied to this, you know? Right. Well, uh, uh, Karen O'Reilly, yeah. our friend, uh, yeah, yeah. she used Wonderful to live right Irish here writer. in this, uh, this yeah. neighborhood, which is kind of east of Knob Hill. Yeah. Um, they had, uh, they had the, um, the paperwork from their house going mm -hmm. all the way back to its first sale back mm -hmm. in the 40s. And it explicitly stated, no Jews. No Jews. Oh, my gosh. Really? Yeah. Whoa. That's like, that's like at a time of Nazism, even. Yeah, right. It's like right. Nazi sympathizing. Yeah. That's, oh, now, man. Ironically enough, Karen and her family are quite Jewish. Oh, so totally. Yeah. Her a... husband's name is, is <laughs> Judah. <laughs> yeah. <I mean. laughs> yeah, like, oh, man, man. Um, wow. That is horrible, you know, and that's weird because you you hear that glossed over a lot, like uh, that Albuquerque wasn't a particularly racist city back in the day, and <laughs> that we uh, desegregated quickly and, yeah. and and things like that. But and you know what, I would say that that is probably true. Yeah, yeah. As sad as that is, yeah, it is true to say that comparative to the rest yeah, of the compared country, compared to yeah. Mississippi, yeah. you know, or whatever. Like we, yeah, Albuquerque uh, was less racist despite having mm -hmm. things like. No Jews right. on the right. uh, the um, covenant for the houses that you're selling. Seriously, um, wow. well, there's another irony: covenant. I want to uh, see that. I want Karen to show us that yeah. next time we're over there. That, and to like, say, you know, <laughs> Anglo only yeah. when you're talking about right. the up and coming new new development oh my in the gosh. mountains. Like that was like less racist yeah. than yeah. most of the country. Right. <laughs> um, one of the interesting development things about a Knob Hill development is. Um, the Knob Hill Shopping Center oh, yeah. was the first uh, act first building, first business in Albuquerque that incorporated car parking into its design. Oh, interesting. Like, it has that um, shape where it's yeah. like a U-shape, and right. it includes a parking, parking lot in the middle there, yeah. Right. Oh, Every other, you know, you can see that in Knob Hill, too. The other buildings, they're all right up on the, the mm -hmm. sidewalk, right up on the street. That's true. If you park, you park right in front of them. Yeah. We're Whereas Knob Hill Shopping Center actually is designed around cars. Yeah. And then from that point forward, huh. pretty much any modern city development going on in Albuquerque incorporates parking into their design so somehow. Wild. Huh. Underground parking lots. Um, think about how uh, Sprouts is. You know, you get yeah. Sprouts and it's like, you don't... I walked up to Sprouts the other day mm -hmm. from here. You walk on the sidewalk, and then you walk through this just, like, sea of cars to oh, get yeah. there. You know, yeah. there's no, like, nice little walkway to get mm -hmm. you, you the pedestrian, up to the door. Right, it's, right. it's a place for the cars right. to park, and that's right. all there is to it. Um, a hmm. major change in in, uh, in design philosophy. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a result of how the city's developing. Mm -hmm. Then we've got, like, the, the heights and everything. And yeah. that, you know, basically all those trends just get more and more yeah. Yeah. developed or get yeah. pushed uh, more and more to the extreme. You know, yeah. everything is built for a car. I think what interests me in particular about the development of the Northeast Heights is in connection with the bases, with Sandia yeah. and Kirtland. Um, 
particularly because Kirtland had basically what Eric Schlosser in Command and Control um, called the first American atomic bomb factory. Yeah. You know, yeah, or sure. the first atomic bomb factory in the world. Yeah. The first atomic bomb factory. And uh, yeah, before long they had half of America's uh, nuclear arsenal, or you know, <laughs> like yeah, stored right, right, stored right. there in those hollow four hills. Which of course fueled yeah. a great deal of development oh, because yeah, I would say all that these great totally, jobs totally right? connected to that. Yeah, yeah. And, totally um, connected to that. Yeah, and so I think that's very interesting. When sometimes when I look out at the Northeast Heights from like a village in or some other chain, you know, and I see this sort of like blighted suburban mo modernity, um, I think uh, this has this sinister underside to it. It's connected to like this doomsday weapon. This weapons is, of mass destruction, yeah, right? Like this is that thing we're, we're afraid right, of. Yeah. Right, this is connected to that, you know? And then when I think of the story that we're gonna talk about today about Sam Hoffman, yeah, you know, yeah. he was a prominent developer of that area and he had a very dark end. Well, should we get to that? Yeah, let's talk about it. Okay, that. so um, let's, uh, let's talk about why Hoffman is important in Albuquerque. Yeah. Uh, first of all, in, uh, in the 1950s, um, I believe his name was uh, Sam Hoffman, mm -hmm. was the, um, the third most successful or the third largest developer mm -hmm. in, uh, in the country. He was 300 feet tall. <laughs> and there were two others that were a little taller. Uh, not much. Wait, how should I phrase that? <laughs> um, he had a lot of developments. Okay, he had lots of developments, yeah. especially in the West. Yeah. In, uh, in Albuquerque... Um, he was responsible for something called the Ines development, which is in the Northeast Heights, mm -hmm. um, and Hoffmantown, uh, yeah. which is most notable today for the Hoffmantown Shopping Center, yeah. which has a huge, just glorious, wonderful um, neon sign. sign from the huge 1950s. I think it's right. uh, Googie. A uh, googie design. Oh, really? I don't. I've never heard that word. You never heard it. It's, I can't say it without feeling kind of dumb. Yeah. But um, that's the uh, the your, design. Your, your daughter where, named this design. <laughs> yes. Your four year old. <laughs> that's like the the design style where you have like um, a big sign with like a circle oh, yeah. with kind of a brightly yeah. colored letter in it, yeah. then another circle, oh. and then another circle, and it oh, all spells like out notes a little bit. Like, <laughs> yeah, it all <laughs> spells out Waffle House or oh, whatever. Yeah. You know, oh, that, interesting. That's called Googie Design. Googie, um, yeah. That is a gorgeous, uh, gorgeous shopping center it, sign. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's an old, an early example of a strip mall. Basically, mm -hmm. it's got a big parking area and so forth. Yeah. Um, Ty, have you ever seen the book Duke City Sign? Oh uh, yeah! Oh, yeah, I actually. love that book. I, I want that so bad. I wish it wasn't like ninety bucks for a copy. It's, is it? It's so expensive. I mean, I've only uh, seen it at the Edith Library, but yeah, we should it's, try to. Some guy with the disposable cameras just took pictures of sh like historic street signs across yeah. Albuquerque and presented them with almost no commentary. It's an amazing yeah, book. That's the great thing about Albuquerque is we have yeah. managed to hold on to these yeah. uh, different different yeah. styles of signs. Back I felt there. homesick for Albuquerque looking at that book, and I was in Albuquerque when I was looking at it. Right. So it was just like amazing how just like redolent of the place it is because those signs become these like brands on your on yeah, your eyes everywhere right. you go they become part of the fabric of the whole place yeah, yeah, you totally. know it's kind of weird kind of strange <laughs> but it you know all a person can be is modern as Salvador Dali yeah. said you know so you Hoffman um, built Hoffman Town yeah and then he was working on another project this is 1959 um, called Hoffman City yeah. He enjoyed sticking his own right, name onto, right. uh, on his development. What if he was naming it after some other Hoffman that whole time? It was like he was like, "Why does no one accept my compliments? They never call me and thank me." It's all these other like non-related Hoffmans that yeah. he knew. Like, random people he's admired that he read about and like school teachers and scientists. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. All right. Anyway, um, so sorry. he was working yeah. on this uh, development on the west side. Now right. the, the west side of Albuquerque is uh, one of the few 
avenues for development of this city. Hmm. Because you can pretty much go off endlessly without running into a natural <sighs> barrier. For instance, Sandia yeah. Mountain on the east, yeah. um, Native American mm. reservations right, right. and pueblos uh, to the north and south and you know various oh. things like this. But you can go west yeah. once you deal with the, uh, the land grant owners. Mm. Land grants, you want to explain what a land grant was? Well, land grant was uh, when, after the Mexican-American War, which we'll not get into that now, and whether it was just or unjust, or whether America <laughs> provoked it badly um, and, and used it to grab a bunch of land, um, you know, we're, we're here now as a result of it. And uh, so the Mexican, after the Mexican-American War, there was a treaty signed called uh, the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, I believe it yeah. was, that ensured that Native American, or that Spanish families would be able to keep their lands. The you lands know, that were given to the them by the Spanish The lands that they used crown. for grazing. And, yeah. you know, grazing is a, a nomadic pastime, and you need a lot of area for it. You right. can't just have, like, a little plot next to your These house. These are thousands and need, thousands of acres. Right. These and parcels. So what they did was they guaranteed, they did surveys uh, assessing this land. And I believe the first sur major surveys were, like, around here anyway, were in the 1890s, yeah. around then. Yeah. And there was one like most I, of them were at that. Point. Yeah, yeah. So I'm more familiar with the Canyon de Carnway land grant yeah. up in the East Mountains because that was kind of where my book was about that I wrote. Um, and that one, when it was initially surveyed, was ninety thousand acres. Yeah, ninety thousand acres. It was huge, like huge, huge area. amounts of land. So, but then in the early 1900s, after decades of people squabbling about. Um, you know, well, we want this land, and what about mines yeah. on this land, and what about all this stuff? I mean, if you read the Golden Retort, which I've I love their newspaper run of it, the Go right. Go Golden New Mexico's little newspaper, um, is just griping about land grants yeah. left and right. That's you know for that, and that was in the eighties and eighteen eighties and eighteen nineties. Right. Um, but so then in the nineteen hundreds. What the government did was they resurveyed all these grants, yeah. and they're like, <laughs> "Did we say ninety thousand? We meant two thousand. This is you the know? statistic that I read. Yeah, ninety yeah. percent of the Spanish land grants right. were um, deemed uh, illegitimate. Ninety percent. Ninety percent of, and the that's land. and that's garbage. That's really unfortunate. I mean, it it's uh, you know, if we like the world we're in today, it's partly a result of that. But it but it's just man it. It's uh, it's really unfortunate, and there are families up in the mountains around here, and I'm sure elsewhere that are still mad about that. They yeah. still get angry when they think about um, how their grandparents got screwed out of like all this wonderful land and this pastoral way of life, and yeah, you know, it's, and a lot of uh, New Mexico's recent um, recent uh, yeah. skirmishes mm -hmm. and tensions with the government have been mm -hmm. because of land grant yeah. politics, like Tierra, right, Amaria. Right. And, um, right, and and I know it's complicated because now a lot of land grant people are like happily selling out and giving into major yeah, development, right. and it's it's hard to root for that. But um, but it's also understandable, I guess. People need money, yeah. and you know, life happens. But it's just so. What happened here with Hoffman <sighs> is that he wound up purchasing a bunch of land anyway. on the uh, the West Mesa. All these topics are bumming me out today. I don't know. Maybe it's just <laughs> my move when I came in here. I'm just seeing the dark side of them. I got to get my head out of this. Okay, let's keep going. So he, he purchased right. uh, a few thousand right. acres or something like that right. uh, from the Atrisco land grant heirs. Okay. Um, except, oops, not all of the heirs agreed. Hmm. Um, because the way, basically, what the way it works is that if if you are a descendant of uh, one of the Spanish families that was given one of these land grants, then you have rights over that land. Mm -hmm. So in order to um, do something like have a housing development, you need to like go through some kind of like process of making sure enough of the heirs agree that they're willing to sell off this chunk of land. Mm -hmm. And so immediately after uh, Hoffman entered into an agreement with some of the heirs, hmm. whoever was managing that area, I guess, um, there was a resistance. Hmm. 
from a bunch of the other heirs who are like, wait a minute, we're not ready to sell a few thousand hmm. acres over here and allow Albuquerque to start developing in the Atresco land grant right, in, in this right. place. You know, we have all these other attachments to the area and right, so forth. Right. So that was a battle that went on for a few years. Interesting. And it was apparently a huge headache for hmm. Hoffman because he'd already basically bought the land right, and couldn't right. like get the money back without going through some sort of court process, you know. Um, and it was a big fight. To, wow. You know, apparently it was just one thing after another hmm. for him. So what happened, and this is a this is a tragic story, and I hate it is. I hate kinda um you know talking about it in such a sort of flippant way. No, you know, and, and, and yeah, and I hope everyone hears that disclaimer in our voice when we talk about sensational violent topics yeah. and things like that. That that these are these are tragedies. They're they're sad. Well I you know? I guess that well, the reason that I feel like this is worth kind of bringing right. up is you know, you pass by Hoffman Town or mm-hmm. whatever, and you don't think anything of it, yeah. and yet um, there are these real right. human stories attached to right, it. Right, right, right. So here's the um, here's the headline. Uh, Hoffman was uh, living in uh, in Phoenix at the time. Mm-hmm. Tragedy in Phoenix comes as project here, here being Albuquerque, mm-hmm. is near start. Home builder Sam Hoffman shot and killed his wife and then himself Tuesday in Phoenix, Arizona, virtually on the eve of the start of one of his largest housing projects on Albuquerque's West Mesa. That's October 14th, 1959. So he shot and killed her and himself uh, Tuesday, October 13th, 1959. Wow. Um, And apparently he was uh, known by friends and family to have just been completely overwhelmed with the the troubles that he was having um, trying to get this development off the ground. And he and his wife had had an argument that night Neighbors overheard it. Nobody was sure exactly what it was. And he um, he killed her oh. over it. And, you know, and then and then himself. Wow. So that's the dark secret at the wow. heart of Hoffman Town there. I mean, I get it. Money, relationships, stressful. Still, don't murder people and don't, you know, and hang in there, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, history ties into... To modern life, yeah, and modern yeah. life has you know it. it everything affects yeah. even even some place like a strip mall. Yeah, has oh, like this really weird kind of tragic story at right. the heart of it. Right. Um, as a as a denizen of the Heights, I often find myself uh, in the Village Inn over on Wyoming uh-huh. uh, late at night, like very late at night. And one of the only things you can see from there in the darkness, aside from some of the lights of the city, are uh, is that Hoffman Town sign up there, and it's, it's, yeah. it's like. Strangely, kind of beautiful, but since learning this story, it's pretty. It's actually like it's a reminder of pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some terrible pain that that two people were in. I know, oh man, you know, wish he hadn't, you know, murdered his wife and then killed himself. Yeah, and like, what does that do for your life? Because I mean, I don't know what he was like as a person, but maybe he was an overall decent, upstanding dude like uh, his entire life, and then to end it on that note. Yeah, you know, like, does that erase? The good of your life, right. does it, I mean, it certainly changes the story. Well, here's another thing that yeah. kind of changes his story, and, yeah. and maybe the story of Hoffmantown, yeah. that he was a uh, he was a refugee from um, oh, yeah. from Russia. Yeah, he came from Russia at the age of, uh, of 22, oh, after the Bolshevik Revolution, came to the United wow. States. I mean, basically, it sounds like this guy lived yeah. the American immigrant dream, you know, <laughs> which is like he fled a country wow. under some hardship, like... Right. Made his millions in yeah. in the land of, you know, opportunity, yeah. and then 
Uh, human pain. <laughs> uh, you know, that might be a very American story from start to finish. Yeah. In, in, in some real real ways, you know. Um, you know, lots of, there's violence. There's... <laughs> no, I was wondering how I was going to tie this in. Here's a nicer story of, of, a, okay. of a human connection and right. human, in this case, happiness, um, which is, uh, you ever seen the street princess Jean? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was named by Dale... Bellamy. Be- okay, and he was one of the other big developers. One right? of the big developers. How did you say it? Bellamy or Bellama? Oh, is it Bellama? Uh, Bellama. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. It's yeah, Bellama. Yeah. Um, Which is a decent local band, too. They're, they're cool. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a, he came from a, a family of uh, Lebanese immigrants, which apparently there were a number of in the uh, 1900s. Oh, okay. uh, the Malouf family also, Lebanese okay. in, in their origin. Okay. But um, he developed a bunch of land out there, and uh, in every housing development he had, he named one street after his wife. Mm-hmm. Jean. Mm-hmm. So that's what uh, that's those, what Princess, yeah. Princess Jean is. Now there's businesses that use it too. You, you know, yeah, Princess yeah. Jean laundromat. Kind of Who's yeah, yeah. Princess Jean? Yeah, yeah. yeah, this guy. Yeah, he was in love with his wife, so he yeah. uh, instead of um, yeah, you know, he uh, he named streets after her. Yeah, nice. That is nice. Yeah, yeah. much better than that other story. Yeah. So yeah, no, I like to I like to hear those stories. I mean, a lot of the suburbs have the most boring name origins, you know. And yeah. So it's nice when you hear one that's kind of pleasant. Um, you know, I, I know the origin of Chelwood, which you never see anywhere. Um, yeah, what is my kid's Chelwood? mom's family has there's a she has an aunt and an uncle uh, that were named Cheryl, like okay. Cheryl, but Cheryl um, and Elwood, and okay. they were friends with the developer of that area, and he combined oh, their names okay. into Chelwood. I get it. I yeah. caught on. Yeah, Cheryl oh. and Elwood Carden is who that's named after, from up around uh, Los Alamos. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So, huh. well, yeah. should we go yeah. ahead and wrap this one up? I guess so. You know, we've gone really long for a bonus episode, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. About, well, I'll but you know, you managed to, to make me less happy. So, so thanks, Ty. <laughs> you know, I I was all just set to have a great day, and, right. and now it's ruined. Uh, before <laughs> we go, we got some things to talk about. First of all, and let me do this okay. pretty quick. We have our first oh. uh, donor to our Patreon account oh, nice. that I'm not related to. Nice. Uh, by the way, thanks, Mom. <laughs> That's Julie Bannerman. But we uh, have a donation from Christopher Suski. Oh, man. So thank you, Christopher. I don't even know um, that guy, but I can tell you. appreciate cool. it. Yeah. Tell I, cool. I think he's actually yeah. sent us a few, uh, few tweets. We got something big coming oh. up in May. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I'm so excited. It just gets bigger and bigger. Screening of Track of the Moon Beast at the Guild Theater in Albuquerque, May 6th, 10.30 p.m. And we are going to have all the stars, <laughs> all the stars that we can possibly track down in this limited amount of time yes. are going to be there. We have already gotten... To, are we talking about our guests or are well, we going to reveal Well, let's start them? with uh, Gary Cannon. Okay. So oh, yeah. we have Gary Cannon. He plays the newscaster yeah, yeah. In, uh, in Track of the Moon Beast. Mm-hmm. Alerts the population to the fact that there is an asteroid headed toward mm-hmm. the moon that's going to hit the moon. Yeah. And then moon rocks are going to fall through the atmosphere yeah. and then hit people in the head and turn them into lizards. He provides kind of the inciting incident context. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. And he so, appears yeah. a couple of times throughout the, uh, the, the movie. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, in the circa 1971 KOB. That is true. Uh, TV studio. That is neat to see the real KOB newsroom from that time. Yeah, he that's, was that's actually a KOB yeah. for newscaster. We had a great time. lunch with him. Maybe we'll yeah, get some clips from that sometime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I even recorded it, so oh, we yeah. might have a few yeah. things. I've got an alternate recording. So. Um, mm-hmm. He yeah. uh, he was the mayor of Corrales at one point, yeah, so he's got some things to tell us about. Yeah, you know, track the moon beast and others. And then we spent a full afternoon, a long afternoon, most of a day, really, trying to track down Frank Larrabee. This is the uh, guy who sings the song "California Lady." Yeah, and I, we finally made it work. We're We've, exchanging uh, texts with him, him now. and yeah. we're we're working on on having him come. 
Yeah. It's not a for sure thing yet, but it's looking good is yeah. what I would say. Hey, do any of our listeners know Alan Swain? He lives in the area and he has a bit part in the movie as well. And his mom was the casting director. We're, uh. we're trying to find this guy. I have nine mutual friends with him on Facebook, so I'm going to go that route probably but okay yeah I would really like him to be there too and we're gonna have a film historian and we're gonna have a film critic yeah gonna, it's we gonna still be... gotta nail that stuff down yeah but, yeah we'll, um, we'll make it work that's the plan I, yeah, I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure we can yeah yeah can make it work we're definitely gonna have a live musical rendition of oh yeah the hit song by Merman and Roberta well, yeah later yeah. yeah yeah it's gonna be great Merman and Roberta is Mer- the... Merma and Roberta Merma it's, uh, and Mara Roberta. Woody and Gina Lawson's band okay yeah and, I uh, Mara so yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah so we're all really excited about that um, and again, if you uh, if you if you donate to the Patreon, mm-hmm. you get in for five bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't, we we ask for ten so that we can mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. um, you know share with the band and uh, yeah. you know maybe mm-hmm. defer defray the cost on some of the yeah. equipment. And so forth. come on, you guys, this movie is it's not good, but but it is a, it is we're gonna have you fun. See. We're gonna have fun with you it. You should see it. If it's you live fun in to watch. Yeah. Um, it'll be great, and it'll be really fun to watch with a happy crowd. We're gonna have a good yeah. a good uh, festive crowd there, having a good time with this thing. And just to remind you, that's uh, that's Patreon uh, dot com slash City on the Edge. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can come and uh, you know support us if you're if you're so inclined, and that would be great if you did. Awesome. Um, or you can. Just support us by showing up to the thing and and coming and meeting and greeting. That'd be fun too. Um, also, follow us on Facebook, mm-hmm. Twitter uh, too. We, we Facebook did. is City on the Edge Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we're doing a project right now where we uh, we have a this day in Albuquerque in 1882 mm. uh, called from the newspapers of the past that oh, nice. a smallpox article I just oh, yeah. read was uh, was from one of those yeah you've been I, I like your stuff on the Facebook page you've been yeah. doing stuff on there yeah City on the that's uh, facebook.com City on the Edge podcast you can like us and mm-hmm. talk to us and right. stuff there's also a Facebook page for the Track of the Moonbeast event that time made so yes yeah, and you out. can uh, you can you know, say that you're coming to that mm-hmm. and make us feel good. Oh, mm-hmm. great. People are going to come. Mm-hmm. And then we have City on the Edge Twitter. That's at City on the Edge, all one word. Um, and you can, uh, you know, know, follow us on yeah. there. And I'm trying to keep up with it. I just tweeted a, a picture of Bill Murray wearing a University of New Mexico sweatshirt that got everybody all excited on the Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Probably ironically, but let's... <laughs> Literally everything Bill Murray does is ironic. That's probably including. true. Anything, uh, anything we should talk about before we uh, wrap it up for the day? No, just thanks for listening and, and uh, check out our next full episode. It's going to oh be about God. a great topic. It's going to be about yeah. wrestling. Yeah. It's going to have heroes and bad guys yeah. and uh, plucky hobos yeah. and evil lawyers and it's all about Destiny Wrestling Organization, an independent wrestling league in Albuquerque. Oh, my God. Um, but not just like an independent wrestling league, but part of this great lineage. I mean, Hobo Hank was trained by Leo the Savage Luna, who was trained by Ernest the Animal Baca. And this stuff <laughs> stretches back a century, man. Really? Yeah. No. Um, wrestling, what? professional wrestling has been going on in the United States of America in in this lineage since the turn of the century when it was going on at carnivals and you could um you would just show up to watch two guys 
fight each other, but you know they were both like in on it. They were performers. Wow. Back in nineteen, you know, nineteen hundred. Oh my gosh, that's a period movie I would watch in a second. Oh, like dude. wrestling in early nineteen hundreds oh, Albuquerque. Boy. What? Yeah, <laughs> that basically gives us the uh, the professional wrestling of today. Where yeah. yeah, it's like scripted and stuff, but interesting. It still requires a bunch of athleticism, and people have these great characters, and there's this soap opera aspect to it. I mean, I man, love you that have stuff. turned over a strange rock and found some strange <laughs> things. I can't wait to hear this one. I, I, I'm excited about. Um, it's gonna take a little more, little more work from me than uh, some of this stuff. So yeah, uh, we'll, I'll get that one up as soon okay. as I can. All right, man, that's cool. great. All right, well, let's Thanks finish out. Uh, thanks again to. Um, Maro Woody for Volpas Volpas, oh, which we've been using in these, been, and nice, um, nice. And, and Weather Kings oh, yeah. by Soltero. Weather King for Soltero, yeah. Check back soon. All right, see ya. Mm-hmm.